This episode is brought to you by Gab Wireless. As I mentioned, my oldest son, he just turned 11, and we are coming upon the conversation of when he can have a phone. He's been nagging and begging for a few months now, and I think really the only option I'm comfortable with at this age would be Gab Wireless. Gab Wireless is a phone made to protect kids. It provides texting and calling, but no games, no internet, and really making me feel a lot more comfortable. Gab says we provide a simple, safe, and age-appropriate first phone that connects family, protects kids, and encourages life outside the screen. I can get behind a brand that wants to reduce screen time and protect the kids from all the crazies out there. Kids feel comfortable carrying this as it looks like any other smartphone, gives a really sleek, fun look, and they're really excited to have it. And I think it's a great new responsibility to start out with and teach them the important skills of managing screen time, phone security, and just protecting themselves and our family. To purchase, go to gabwireless.com and gab is G-A-B-B, use the double B, and use our code MOMVOICE for $10 off your purchase. Welcome to the Mom Voice. This is Lauren and Sarah with episode 109. Okay, well, today we have Miss Ashley Jensen sitting down with us. Say hi, Ashley. Hi, thank you for having me. Oh my goodness, we're so excited for people to hear your story and tear alert, mascara alert, you guys. <laughs> I know. FYI, just I in know, case. I, I know, I might be triggered with the tears today. I'm like so excited to sit down with you. I'm really really can't wait to just chat with you. I really look forward to this. This is going to be a great episode. So Ashley is married and has one daughter, Poppy. She is a lifestyle influencer and the co-host with her mother of the Art of Joy podcast. And she has a blog that is wonderful and all about lifestyle and things that she shares there. And it is wherepuppiesgrow.com. Yeah. So with that, we are just going to dive right in. Yeah. I started following Ashley years ago and just as a bystander, you know, and just a viewer, um, I loved your page and just this beautiful mother. And um, then kind of tragedy hit. And I was just, again, just the eyes through the phone and the screens and just following along. You lost your first husband. And tell us on a high level, just kind of how it began and what he went missing. And yeah, walk maybe, us through that. Maybe, yeah, yeah, back to that, to the beginning point. Yeah, yeah. Well, th- first of all, yes, thank you guys for having me. I'm excited to be here. And yeah, we can just dive right in. So I'll start kind of a little bit from the beginning. I It kind of all goes together. So I got married when I was 19. I was married for five years. And yeah, we struggled with infertility actually for four years. So it was, I thought I kind of knew what grief felt like going Mm -hmm. through infertility and having that be such a huge issue and trying so hard and not working. And, um, and then I finally naturally just got pregnant. It was kind of this really crazy thing. And I'm a full believer in timing and divine timing and that it just for my life in particular, it had to happen in this certain way. Um, so I got pregnant, best day of my life. You know, everything's just going so amazing. Poppy's born December 15th, 2016. And after Poppy was born, I saw a huge decline in Paul's mental health, my previous husband. And 
it was, I was so consumed with motherhood and being a new mom and figuring that out that I didn't necessarily see maybe some critical signs that I, that were going on that I maybe should have been more aware of. I am weary of saying should, because there's nothing I could do to go back and change anything. But, um, it was July 27th, uh, 2017 when he went missing and he was actually heading to our therapist for an appointment. So I was feeling great about that. Like I actually texted the therapist that same day because he had been acting so strange, saying crazy things. I actually took him to the hospital that morning because he said he was having a panic attack. And so I took him to the hospital. My daughter was hungry and it was, it was just this really crazy morning. And, um, we got back home. We didn't end up even going inside the hospital. I could tell mentally he was not in a good spot and that he needed help. And so that was kind of the first day where I was like, we need to figure this out. Like you are not okay. And so him going to the therapist was so for me, just like, yes, okay, this is going to be good. We're going to get some help. We're going to figure this out. He never made it to that appointment. And I don't know where he went. He, from, you know, looking back, he was actually missing for 18 days. And, you know, that day he went missing, he, he wasn't answering his phone after I thought he was at his appointment, couldn't get a hold of him. And I was slightly concerned, like what's going on? But I had a lot of trust issues. Did your therapist notify you? Like, how did you find out he didn't make it to the appointment? So yeah, I texted him before and I said, Hey, I just want to let you know, I'm a little concerned. Can you look out for these things? And he said, yep, totally. And then when his appointment came about 20 minutes later, he said, Paul's not here. He didn't come. He didn't show up. So from there, I was, you know, like, where are you? What's going on? And sending texts, calling, nothing. And I did see on Find My iPhone that I could see his location. I wasn't too concerned. I just thought maybe he just, you know, is going through a thing. He just needs a minute. So I was actually at lunch with my mom. And then I just had this feeling like sick feeling come over me. And I was like, something's wrong. We need to go find him. We need to go like drive and find him. And so we got in the car and we drove to his last location because his phone had turned off. And his last location was in this parking lot. We went inside. We asked people, did anyone see him? You know, he was just not anywhere to be found. And he was actually driving my car with my car seat in there and he left me with his. It was just a really weird thing that he had ended up taking my car. Yeah. So that night when I still hadn't heard from him, I realized we probably need to file a missing persons report. We need to, we need to like have all eyes on, on deck and to, you know, to help yes. finding him. So from there on, it was just insanity. I mean, the things that happened, the things that came up are things you you can't even make up. I mean, we ended up finding my car that night. I didn't sleep all night, but we ended up right. finding my car in West Valley in this sketchy neighborhood. Come to find out, like, he had just given my keys to someone 
And they took the car for a joyride. And, you know, they, we found it in this neighborhood that had random people's things in it. It was just. So somebody ended up telling you that they had given. Well, the car? I had called actually BMW. It was an, it was a X6. It's uh-huh. not like a cheap car. It's right. not just like something that you hand over to somebody, but um, yeah, I had called BMW and the reason I actually filed the missing persons report was because I had to have that for BMW to track the location of the car. So it was kind of all these steps that had to happen to like, just try to find him and come to find out, you know, he had given the car away and who knows where he was at that point. He traded it for a bike. So he was just now on bike, just driving around Salt Lake. And this is where mental health comes in to the story. Cause I just really, you know, mental health is such a serious issue. And it's something that, that I think a lot of people struggle with and it's not, it feels shameful, but it is so serious. And it was just literally minutes, seconds. Like by the time I realized something was so wrong, he was already gone. And so, yeah, 18 days. And what are your feelings at this moment? Are you very anxious? Are you just kind of like numb? What's happening? Like can't process? Yeah. I mean, all of it. I was so, I was really angry that he Mm. was putting us through this, Mm -hmm. but I also didn't quite understand at the same time. Um, I was also anxious. I was worried like for his safety. I was worried he was going to do something to hurt himself. I didn't know what kind of mindset he was in. And, Mm -hmm. and from basing off of the morning that the last time I saw him, it was not a great place. So I was definitely really, really worried. And at this point we had, this was the next day we had friends who, and family that we were all searching. And then you know, the next day it was like, Hey, we need to get a search party. We need to, this is getting serious. Like we need to figure this out. So all my, all of our friends, all of his friends jumped on board and just seriously put together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is where I get emotional because, um, the amount of support that came flooding in for, for me to help find him was, You can't even, I can't even describe like something when something happens, you don't realize, like you think you're just going through it, but like everyone showed up, Mm -hmm. everyone showed up to the table. Everyone showed up to help, to offer their time and their resources to help. And it was so humbling. So I was behind the scenes with, you know, trying to find passwords to get into things and emails and texts and trying to get into his phone and figure out like, you know, all of that stuff. While on the other hand, we had search parties out, just searching the valley. And, and at this point, do many people know of Paul's struggles, his mental health struggles? Are you feeling like I have to keep this secret? Are you, I mean, does his family know? Because I think you're totally right. There's just never enough attention brought to, you know, how serious mental health can be. And actually, I know someone going through that too right now. And it, it, it is, it's just something 
you wish you could fix for them and it's something so out of your control and you don't want to see this happening to someone you love. So all this erratic, crazy behavior is like you're frustrated and you feel like it's so selfish and you're angry, but then at the same time, it's kind of beyond anyone's control. So I mean, is your family aware at this time or is this kind of like maybe between you and him? Are you carrying that burden? Or yeah. I mean, yeah. I think... I mean, yes, by the time he went missing, it was like something seriously wrong. And his friends leading up to it, I think there was concern, but he was so good at making you feel okay about what he was saying Mm -hmm. that it didn't feel concerning because it was like he'd say something and then he'd kind of play it off and you're like, was that weird Mm -hmm. or are we good? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But definitely his family, his friends, like everyone kind of based off of his behavior since Poppy was born, it was like, yeah, something's going on. Good. Was he ever self-medicating? Was it like, was that like an element brought to, or, or maybe not using his medication like he should be? Cause that just complicates everything, right? That's just next level complications. Yeah. I wouldn't say that he had um, medication for his mental health, Mm -hmm. but I would say he was using drugs that I was unaware of. And Some I was aware of, some I wasn't aware of. Um, And I don't feel like that helped the situation, obviously. So that, yeah. And there was a lot of discovery, uh, you know, during the search. And that's a huge, like, just heartbreak for you. Just new elements you're learning day to day along with this fear and anxiety. What's going to What's going to happen? And yeah. you, you said you were behind the scenes. I mean, was the police involved at this yeah. point? Are they running things or is it really like you running I things? I mean, we had the police involved. It went from the American Fork Police Department to Salt Lake PD when my my car was found mm-hmm. in Salt Lake. So we did have police involved. And then we also had this incredible group of private investigators involved and they were amazing. And then also just anything that we could do to help, to assist. So it was all hands on deck at this point. And if you lived in Utah at the time, you saw billboards everywhere. It was, I mean, you saw it. You mm-hmm. saw his face. Everyone was looking. I mean, everywhere we went, it was like, you know, I just, can just not even imagine like seeing your husband's face on a billboard. I mean, you probably just thought like, is this a bad dream? Like I, that's just like what you see on TV and the, yeah. and the, the horrible datelines. Like, you're just like, this isn't happening. This is it wild. Was, it's not something you could ever dream ever of. Imagine. It was oh, it's, insane. It truly I literally was. Have goosebumps. It's just like, I can't even fathom how that felt. Yeah. It was insane. And yeah, I mean, I really feel like the only thing that kept me floating was my daughter. Yes. yes. Through all of it. I mean, and how is that going? Are you able to care for her? Are you able to like, or is like grandma stepping in? Are you like just kind of, how do you mean? Yeah. My sister, my sister literally took over and she was a mom to Poppy for, I don't even know. Like I was so un- I was so disconnected, but at the same time, I would have panic attacks. And the only thing that would calm me down was her. Like I just had to hold her and be with her. And I actually felt like I couldn't be away from her for too long because she was all I had. Mm-hmm. And I had a lot of issues after that. Just just like traumatic leaving her with anybody. It was really hard because mm-hmm. like this is all I have, you know. So that was really difficult as well. But 
You um, probably felt like you're like you mentioned at the beginning, the timing and God's timing that Poppy came now. I mean, did you feel like yeah, as you was, look back, this was like Poppy was meant to be here now through this crazy hardship and trial that you're going through? Oh my gosh, she was eight months old. And I think if I would have had a five-year-old, which I pro- a four-year-old, I would have, which is how old she is now, it would have been so extremely difficult to have to explain and to go through all that while yes while experiencing it for myself. So I really feel so blessed that she was the age that she was. So how did this kind of evolve yeah, and end? Yeah. Like the 18 days, you so know. Then walk yeah, us so, you know, it kind of started getting to a point where it was like, you know, there's not much else we can do. And it was a Sunday and we had had a huge rainstorm and um, we had gotten, I, someone texted me, I think, and it was on the news that a body was found and um, I just knew, mm-hmm. I just knew that it was probably him. And then my private investigator said, please send me every tattoo, every picture of the tattoos that he had. So, you know, there I go sending every picture I had. And he said, the police are going to come. Mm -hmm. show up at your door and let you know. Mm -hmm. And that was uh, really surreal because I think throughout, I just maybe thought there was this hope that he was still around somewhere. Yeah. Um, He had just taken off to Mexico and needed a break. Yeah. Like, who knows? Right. But there was in the back of my mind, this big feeling that he wasn't here anymore. And I couldn't face that until it came. And so I do feel very blessed, very lucky that we found him because that unknown of being stuck in that place is so hard. It's so confusing. You don't know where to go and how to move forward. So many people don't find their people. And so we feel so blessed that we found him. Obviously not the way we wanted to find him, but he was in a river and we believe he was there um, one of the first couple of days he went missing. And so I think with his mental health, you know, I'm not sure how he got there. I'll, I don't know that I'll ever really know all the experiences he had while he was gone, but um, I feel a lot of peace in knowing that I just think that the way that it happened and the way that not that it was supposed to happen that way, but that even for my own personal involvement, like I've been able to move forward and I've been able to find peace on some level. And I feel really grateful for that. But obviously the way that it happened was so traumatic and I never would have wished that for him. And I think the hardest thing is watching my daughter grow and knowing that he would have loved to be her dad and be there with her and witness it firsthand. And even for me, selfishly witnessing that firsthand and not being able to is hard. Although I do feel like he's around and he probably sees mm-hmm. her from wherever he's at. But um, do you see a lot of him in her? Yes. So yes. much of yeah. him in her. And it's very sweet. It's, it's a very sweet reminder. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is just a surreal ending and loss and way to conclude and, and lose somebody. But I do agree with you. Like, 
having the closure, like I have always thought probably the biggest torture on this planet could be losing someone, someone going missing, mm-hmm. a child, a spouse, anybody, and just not having the closure. Like dealing with the closure is going to be the hardest challenge of your life, but just the fear of like not knowing and every day grappling with that where are they? Are they okay? Are they in danger? Is this what they want? The questions would just haunt you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I I mean, oh, I'm well, so I had sorry. Actually, I know. Gosh, I had read something along the way that like why we have funerals, it's more for the people who are left behind, you know, oh, to, yeah. to find closure and to be able to, you know, make sense a little bit of like what's happening and all of that. And because it is an interesting thing funerals, if you think yes, about it, yes, but they serve like such an important purpose in society. And I, yeah, I really love that. I, I think I, I realized that so much because he wanted to be cremated. Mm-hmm. And when I said that to his family, it was like, it was like his mom almost fell to the ground because she needed a place to remember him. She needed to have a place where she could go to take flowers and to remember him. Mm-hmm. And I think that when all the people are left grieving that person, however it feels best for them to grieve Mm -hmm. is how it needs to be. And so he wasn't cremated and he has a beautiful memorial place and, and it's close to his family's house and it's just, it worked out in the way it was supposed to, Mm -hmm. you know, um, for them. And I just feel like at that point too, I'm like, I, can't even make one more decision. Right. So if this feels right to you guys, let's just do that. Um, yeah, but, at this yeah. point, because correct me if I'm wrong, I should have looked this up before we started, but the stages of grief isn't number one denial. Is that right? I don't remember. Honestly, like, what, did you ever go through a denial? Phase? I feel like stages of grief are just, to me, it's like, what are, what yeah. are even like, yeah. are there How stages? Can like you define yeah. it? Right. Yeah. It's literally like you dip into it and then you come out and you dip into another place and you come out and there's no rule book. There's uh-huh. no guideline. There's no like, this is how grief's going to look and this is how it's going to happen for you uh-huh. because it is so different for every person. And it literally like, I think for me, it started with anger yeah. and that anger, that anger fueled me to move forward. And that anger helped me heal in a lot of ways. I feel like three years later, I'm in a place of, I've been in a place of this sadness and like of missing him where I didn't, I felt that maybe at times before, but it's, it's different. It mm-hmm. evolves, it changes. And although I am happily married now and in a whole new life, um, it still shows up. Oh, of course. And, and when you say you're angry, like I'm just thinking, putting myself in that situation. Are you angry at God? Are you angry at him? Are you angry? Are people annoying you like coming around? I like, think I'm angry you know what I mean? at the whole thing. Yeah. I, I was, I had a lot of anger at him though, mm. I will say. And it was, I think because of, you know, you have this vision for how your life's going to go. Yeah. You get married, like getting married at 19, for example, Mm -hmm. you just are like, Hey, I'm going to get married. I'm going to have kids. We're going to have this house and this cute little life. And like, that's just how it's going to go. And like everyone else around me had that life. And then my life just did not go that way. And so I think there was even a morning to this life that I thought I was going to have that I didn't have. And 
him and the marriage I thought I had that I didn't have and this person that I was supposed to be there for me that wasn't and just all of that. It was like even just going back to the beginning, you've fought through this fertility battle. Mm -hmm. You've fought through his mental illness and supporting him and trying to be there. And then in a way, like to have it end like this, it's just not, of course, nobody would ever, but you're just, I could see how like heartache and frustration and anger could be very much a big process of this. And that's such a good point you said about mourning the life that you thought you signed up for. Like I didn't sign up for this. (laughs) And even like the life already hadn't been going as planned that you had to fight for Poppy and the years of like sadness with that. And then this mental illness. So, I mean, yes, you're mourning just a whole like mixture of emotions and men. So like how day to day, like after, you know, um, maybe after the funeral or after you found him, like, how are you Honestly, I just feel like, how are you getting out of bed? Like, I feel like I would just want to be in a dark room with like a Diet Coke and no one talking to me and just like watching my show on rerun. And I just would not want to even ever face And anything. I think that's valid. Anything. I, do. I just, I don't think Absolutely. I could function. Yes. I mean, what what is it like for you? Or are you the opposite? Maybe you're like, I've got to stay busy, distracted, like do everything else. So, I mean, having an eight month old at the mm. time, that was, it felt like my purpose You know, it was like, this is the only thing now that's fulfilling me. And she truly helped me to move forward. It was, if I didn't have her to wake up every morning to, I, I really don't know. I would have, I would have locked myself in my room and been depressed and I could still be there. Who knows? Yes. Yes. She, even throughout the search, every single day, we still laughed every single day. We still found that tiny moment of joy from her because she was able to soften our hearts. She was able to ease the burden in some way. Although she's eight months old, she has no idea. She has no idea what's going on, but having her there was like this angel. Just like mercy. It really was. And what I also will say, just touching on, on the anger is that I have come to see the bigger picture and step outside of just like all these things that happened to me and find more compassion for him in the way that his story went. Because I guarantee you, if you were to look at it, he's not thinking that's how it was supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that he, that's not how he wanted it to happen. And I really do have so much compassion for him because Paul was an amazing person. He was vivacious. He was fun he, to be around. He was, he had so many friends and anyone you talk to that was his friend would say the same thing. He would, had this energy that was infectious. And so for him to lose that, it's hard to see and it's hard to even believe. But I think moving forward, I think I was truly in a place of just like, I am so done. I am so done dealing with this. Exhausted. I want to move forward. Like Mm -hmm. now it felt like, okay, like literally my life is in pieces. How am I going to start picking up my pieces? Where do they go? Let's do this. Let's move forward because I couldn't sit in that place for any longer. It had been too long and I was ready to just like, let's start figuring this out. And I think between therapy and just giving myself that personal time to process. Mm -hmm. It was so critical for me and being able to talk things through and 
talk out emotions and cry when I felt like crying and just really feeling it all when I felt it helped me to move forward. And I know you said there was so much support during the search. How was it like six months later? Did you feel like people, were they nervous to bring it up to you? Like, was it a sensitive subject for them? How did a friend help you? Because I think that's really insightful for people, whether you've lost a parent or anybody, a child, heaven forbid, or, you know, just how to be a good friend Yeah, someone going through that. I think for me, all of us were kind of going through it together and the role that he played in everyone's life was different. Mm. It was way different for me than it was for everyone else. And I would say my experience was so different than everyone else's. But at the same time, everyone was losing somebody and it was a brother, a friend, a son. So I kind of felt like we all were going through it together, although it felt different for me because I had anger and the way that his decisions impacted me affected me the most. Mm -hmm. But I do feel like people just showing up, my friends especially, just showing up, asking the questions and just listening and Mm -hmm. not trying to fix anything. I think that's how you show up for someone who's going through something really hard is asking the questions that feel hard or uncomfortable And just sitting there and listening and showing up with some groceries when, you know, you're not sure if they need bread, but maybe they do just show up with it. When someone asks me, what do you need? I don't even know what I need. Right, right. I don't even know. You tell me. I can't even. It's just, I don't know. I literally can't even tell you like one thing. Like I need everything. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Oh, I love that. But it's such a good point. I mean, everyone in your world is going through it. And, And I agree. You're hit for sure the deepest and the hardest, but yes, everyone's bearing this loss and and it is, and you can at least have that support system to kind of rally together and love each other that you're, you're not alone. You're not alone through this. Well, I mean, I know you said that you kind of made a decision at some point that it was time to move on and pick yourself up. I mean, as you're in your home, you know, the home that you shared together Are there just constant reminders of things? And is that hard? Or, I mean, if you're going through grief, like, do you have any advice on that? Like how to deal with the reminders and things like that? I mean, that's something that I think for the first year was really hard. All the anniversary dates and all those things. I actually, the day he went missing, I moved out and I couldn't go back. I mean, I couldn't really go back to my house. And then I moved in with my mom and dad and I ended up selling my house and that was the best decision for me. I didn't feel comfortable living there alone and it just didn't feel safe anymore. But that was also really hard because it was kind of the final goodbye of this life that we had created and it was extremely difficult. But yeah, I would say all of the anniversary dates that first year were so difficult because it was just like this time last year, this is what we were doing and Mm -hmm. this is what was going on. And so it was really hard moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a moment where you feel like you really got closure or is it still kind of just a process? I feel like I had an experience. I would say it was kind of like a dream where I felt him and it felt like he was showing me the pain he was in that he couldn't show me in real life. And I felt like I could understand him and I could see him. And I was like, oh, wow, I had no idea you were struggling in this way. And 
it was really powerful. And I think that moment for me was like, okay, I, I just, I love you. And I'm sorry that this is how it happened. And, you know, this sucks that this is the ending, but also like it turned my heart more towards compassion than anger. And while I did dip into that here and there, and that was just part of the process, I do feel like I had that little moment of closure and it was really beautiful. Oh my gosh. That's really special. I know. That is so special. I mean, now do you feel like he's at peace now? I mean, do you feel like content knowing that he's not hurting anymore? Yeah. I mean, it's hard to say, like, I don't know. I don't know where he's at. I don't know what, what he's feeling, but I hope that wherever he is, he's feeling that mm-hmm. peace and contentment and hopefully um, being able to watch his daughter grow and and be there for her in those moments. But I don't know that I, that I really, I mean, do we ever really know, yes, you know, right, right. <laughs> it's I hard know. to say, but, and also too, to say like, is he in a better place? I don't know. Like, yes. I think that's another hard thing when people are like, well, they're at least they're in a better place. It's like, Mm -hmm. well, are they though? Because what's to say it was better there than it is here, you know? But I hope, I have hope that he's in a peaceful place and that he's been able to heal the things that, you know, were heavy on his heart. Yeah. And as you're, you know, as you're now a single mom, you know, and Poppy's growing up, how do you approach that with her? Is it just a very simplistic thing? I mean, like you said, you do have the benefit of her being so young, you know, you can kind of make it, I guess, what you want or introduce it. But was that hard or do you feel like it came naturally? You know, I, I didn't really feel like I was a single mom because I, I mean, I did, but also I don't really feel like I could have that title because I had so much support around me. My mom my family. I had people stepping in at every moment and it was such a gift. And then I met Dane. I mean, the funeral was in August and I met Dane in November. And so it was really quickly after, and I was definitely not in a mental place to be ready to, I thought I was because I was ready to move on from like this, this story, but I also didn't, I don't know. It, I, it's hard because I felt like I had so much support. I never lived on my own. I mean, I did, but you know. That's so yeah. wonderful that well, you never had to carry that, like, you know, maybe feeling alone or just all the duties that, a, you know, a mom day to day has to do. So I, it's wonderful you had such My help. family was so amazing. And I did eventually like move out of my mom's, get a house that we're still in. And that felt so independent to me moving in there, just me and Poppy. And yes. And I just felt like I had so much, I, I was a single mom, but I had so much support and love around me and so much help that I know a lot of single moms are single for a long time and don't have that. So I mean, shout out to all those women yeah, out there that know, are just right? doing I that can't. because I just felt like with so much support I have, I can't necessarily have mm-hmm. that title, you know? Yes, that's fair. And totally. Dane stepped in at, at such an early stage that, he, and he just instantly fell in love with Poppy and he was so great with her and being able to watch that relationship grow has been So let's go amazing. there. Yes. You, you get introduced <laughs> to Dane and like you said, you, you were ready, but you weren't like, it was probably super complex. I mean, 
in the moments where he's on the floor playing with her? I mean, are you just kind of like, what is happening? Or is it just like, wow, this is amazing. Like, I'm so grateful for him. Or like, what are you thinking? What are you processing? I mean, he walked in. Yeah, I met him through a really close friend and he walked in my parents' house. He walked in, met my whole family and my daughter. And actually, Poppy, I think she walked it was like one of the first days oh. that she like walked Oh, and wow. it was crazy. I know, but he <laughs> walked in this six foot five man oh. who golfs and he just, it felt like this knight in shining armor walking in and I was like, hello, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, hi. Yeah. Oh. And you know, it was a true gift to be able to feel that excitement again. Yes. Cause she probably wondered like, Will I love again? Can yeah. I? Will I get excited? And, and I figured want that I'd and meet people and it'd yes, be exciting, but like right. it would not work out. You know, right. it takes a while to find. I don't know what the dating world's like anymore. Yes, it's and been years. it's right. I well, mean, yeah, getting married at 19, you didn't really probably have a even ton have of a huge dating, dating experience. Pinterest wasn't even a thing when I got married. <laughs> right. So neither were dating apps. I like know, it was yes. so different. Yes. So, I just felt really overwhelmed by the dating world. And I was like, no, thank you. I'm not even interested in any of that. But having it be this more intimate space, like I felt safe there. He was coming into my world and everyone was meeting him. And it was kind of like, you know, he just blended right in and it was seamless. Everybody's heart. He really did. And it was seamless. And we had the greatest night and it just like really evolved from there in the best way. And he was so patient with me. Yeah. I was going to ask that. Was it a push and pull situation for you where like you wanted, but then. Well, I feel like things might trigger, like I even Dane might trigger, like just even like feeling those feelings again might trigger to like the loss and just the heartache that came with it or just memories. I'm, I'm sure that's such a process. It was that first year was really difficult and I had to go through all, this is the beautiful thing was And it wouldn't have worked if it wasn't like this, but Dane held space for me. He allowed me to feel the emotions I was feeling. He allowed me to process it in the way I needed to process it. And he didn't try to fix anything. He showed up like this best friend that just was like there. Like his presence, his warmth was just there, but he was not here to fix anything. And I needed someone to do that. I needed... I didn't need someone to come in and fix it. I didn't I didn't want someone to come in to just be like, oh, here's a new thing. Let's just go do this now. It was like I needed to process that and I needed to move forward from the highest place. And I needed to heal myself yeah. before I could give myself to somebody else. Yeah. And he allowed me to do that. And it was beautiful. And it was not easy. Way to go, Dane, first yes. of all, for like letting you go at your pace. And being patient, he saw the gem that you were. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he just let that happen. And I mean, t- yeah, walk us through the your love story a little bit. I mean, at what point did you feel like, I think I'm falling in love again? Like, I think I love him. Was that scary? And, oh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. PTSD, right? Like, oh my well, gosh. Yes. It was oh. really scary, but it also surprisingly wasn't as hard as I thought it would be because I had a lot of trauma around it, but the way that he showed up, the way that he gave me love was different than anything I'd ever felt. It like was, a friend. He came as a friend. Yeah. And yes. He saw me. 
I felt like I finally was seen for like who I was. I mean, I was stripped open. I was, I was like filleted out for the whole world to see. I, there was no secrets anymore, like nothing. So, you know, he could look up anything and see my whole story, but it was in that raw vulnerable place where he just really, truly saw my heart. And I felt like because he could see me and love me from that place, it just, it was like the most beautiful foundation to build our relationship. And yes, like I said, he was just patient and allowed me to go through this process. And I think I fell in love with him pretty quickly, but I wasn't ready to jump into anything. I knew I really, really had strong feelings for him, but like I knew I had to go through this whole journey before I could really give myself fully to him. And so that's where his patience came in. But we dated for, let's see, we just got married last August. So, you know, it was 2017. So, I mean, we dated for a good minute and it was really good for us. He moved into my house um, for about a year before we got married, which was also amazing to just be able to experience, you know, that, you know, Poppy just, it, she was actually really hard on him for the first year. Like, yeah, it was, she like. She was not letting him in. Oh, how, how old was yeah. she at this point? I mean, she was, she young, was right? a, he was actually at her first birthday. Oh, wow. But, I mean, well, and it yeah. always seems so like from again, watching if you follow Ashley, like seems so natural, but really she was a little like she resistant. Was. Yeah, she was resistant. I think, you know, she didn't know she was no, only one totally. or whatever, but Dane had to work pretty hard. And oh, he was um, winning over two ladies. He did. <laughs> I love that. He had to. Oh he gosh. earned it. He earned Aww. it. And it was worth it. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was worth it. Their relationship is so beautiful now. And she, he literally, I think is her favorite person. Like more that, so than me sometimes. Well, Aww. and is the relationship true? Um, like father, daughter, or is there kind of, I mean, again, she's so young. So again, you kind of set like how you want it to look. And is it just. I mean, I don't know what I'm asking. Is there a notion yeah. of Paul? Yeah. Dana's definitely fully stepped into those shoes. And there's also a conversation very open about Paul. And she knows that she has her daddy, Paul, who died. And she has her daddy, Dane, who's here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's been interesting to explain and trying to explain to her what death means and what it means when your body stops working and how that works. And it, it's something that we just at an age appropriate time, like explained. And as time goes on, we'll explain more, but Dane is her dad. And that's just, that's it. Like he is her dad and she knows she's got her daddy, Paul. And sometimes she's, she'll say, I miss my daddy, Paul, you know? And it's just, it's, it is gut wrenching, but also I know that he probably hopefully can see her at and, mm-hmm. and that hopefully she maybe can feel him at some points, but mm-hmm. Dane is so her dad. He definitely stepped into that role and it's so beautiful to witness. Yeah, it is beautiful. You guys make a beautiful family. Oh my gosh. Yes. And we actually share a wedding anniversary. Really? Yes, we do. Oh I remember gosh. when I saw you, I even DM Dane. I was like, congratulations. <laughs> we have the same anniversary now. <laughs> and um, you guys just are beautiful. Your wedding was beautiful and you really have just created this charming and you seem so happy like you do you seem so happy and it is like 
incredible to be able to find happiness again. There's well, hope in there's peace. hope in that. Yes. Yeah, just yeah. come to a peaceful place with it. Um, yeah. You know, I feel like after it all happened, I was like, you know what? This is my life now. Mm-hmm. I'm taking my life back because I felt like when I got married, I was so naive. You know, I was just this young girl and my life became his life and every anything he wanted, you know, it was just like he had the hobbies and I just kind of did everything, whatever he wanted to do. And it was whatever. But it got to the point where I'm like, you know what? No, this is my life. And every decision from here on out is something I'm consciously making. And it's going to be a decision that is going to be for the benefit of me and my daughter. Mm-hmm. And I took my power back and Every single decision I can say I've made from that point on has been intentional and it has been for the benefit of us and we have created a beautiful life. I love that because I think that grief and loss and just tragedy in general can become, it can become self-consuming and you can kind of become a victim to that. I haven't experienced serious loss in my life. And I'm actually scared for that day because I don't know how I will process that. And I I love what you said though, being able to take control back. This is my life and I'm going to make it what I want it to be. I I didn't die that day. I'm here and I need to like embrace this and make, you know, and make Paul happy, make our family, make Poppy happy. And he sees that and he must be like so proud of you for the woman you are and the mom you are and the power that you have. So I think that's, here they are. The tears came. You got it on camera. <laughs> but I just think that's like so incredible that you've overcome. I mean, so much. I know, Ashley. Seriously, you are incredible. That's yes, amazing. Oh, so well, incredible. Thank you. So, what is next for you and Dane? What's next for your little family? You know, Dane and I. I think that we are just loving this moment. We are so happy with the three of us, and I know that it will be semi-short. We definitely want kids in our future. But Poppy's at the funnest age and we are just in this joyful moment and it's so beautiful to just sit here and just love it and just like not be too worried about the future, not be too worried about what's coming and just like living in the moment. We definitely have, you know, we've talked about moving to California at some point, maybe not for a year or so, but we have plans for our future, but it's not anything that we're trying to rush into. I think I really am just like, you know what? I made it here. Yeah, yeah. You've made it. Yeah, I'm here and I just want to sit in it and I just want to be here and just live in it and just relish in this joy. And yeah. You know, I think that is a lesson in itself right yes. there because I can even fall victim to that of just not stopping just to appreciate like, oh, wow. like this used to be what I dreamed of, you know, because it's always like, you're always wanting more and you're always trying for the next thing. And, you know, you're always pushing to do bigger and better, or I am anyway. And I struggle with that. I struggle with like being present. That would be what I'm saying. You sound like you're very present and that right there is just remarkable. I mean, I'm sure this experience only teaches you truly that you every day, you just don't know. You don't know what tomorrow holds. And so really being present and embracing each day with your loved ones. And I mean, just letting the little things go and the stress that we all carry so much. I mean, you just, it really probably makes you value 
um, just, yeah, the joy in the life. And just like you, your podcast, The Art of Joy, you have created this joyful situation, a joyful family in your life, and you just have to enjoy that. And I like how you said you took control of it because I feel like these types of situations, they can take control of you like so quickly and just trap you in a way. And I love that you didn't get stuck in that, you know, Yeah, I which mean, is it, valid for people who are in that spot. Oh, like, totally. oh my gosh, I'm not saying. Totally. I think that, I think a lot of people struggle with wanting the next onto the next. What's the next big thing that we're doing? And, and I can say I live my life and I still, I still fall into that sometimes. It's something that just in America, I think it's a, been taught it's in our, our culture. culture. Totally. And it's actually like kind of frustrating because when you do experience loss to that level, sitting in your joy is, you know, it's, it's just like, I have to just sit in this because I don't know how much longer I'm going to have it for. And I just want to sit in it. But a thing my mom said when I was going through in the middle of just like the thickest, darkest moment of time was as deep and dark and as hard and as painful as this is, one day you're going to sit on the other side of it in the happiest, brightest, most joyful place. And I worked so hard to get here. I've been to therapy every other week for years. You know, I've, I have worked so hard and I have processed my emotions and I felt my emotions and I've evolved and grown and in this pro and I still am, but in this, I feel like I am in that place of the most pure, happy joy. Mm -hmm. And so I'm here for it and I'm sitting in it and it's just the most beautiful place to be. And I'm really grateful for the journey that I've been on and for this experience that I have. And although I didn't want it to happen in the way it did, I have nothing but gratitude for Paul and everything that he taught me and everything that he pushed me into. I would not be the person I am without him. And he was the only one who could have pushed me here. And how insightful of your mom to say, mm-hmm. because just like you said, it it takes work. And I think today there's so many resources out there for people. There's the therapy and the life coaches and meditation. And there's so many tools now that we know about of how to process emotion and feelings and get out of dark places, but it is work. And I, again, dealing with mental health, it's like deciding, okay, this isn't going to control me. Like I, I can do steps. I can put one foot in front of the other to try and just doing that work. And I think like you said too, touching on that, it's probably a day-to-day effort every day And there's probably little moments or things that almost like break you in the tears again and just brings back the thoughts and the memories. So it is probably a conscious effort every day. I wanted to just really quick ask you about your meditation. Like I've seen that you've kind of, and maybe this is part of that or just part of your healing process. You've kind of found like a new, um, I don't don't know what it is. I just wanted to ask you, I saw you posting about it and I was very intrigued by it. Yeah, you know, I have... It's been really important to me to find that connection outside of myself and to find my connection to spirituality. And I didn't really feel like I had that. And I lost lost that along the way. And what I had before didn't feel right anymore. And so 
taking accountability for my spirituality has been a really beautiful process. And um, I've been able to just learn and just study and just, you know, learn about everything to see what fits and what's going to, what's settling and what's working and, you know, taking those moments for myself to write in my journal, to sit and breathe, to sit and give myself the time. I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm great at it. Mm -hmm. I try to wake up. My alarm goes off at 6am and I'm pushing snooze every day. But (laughs) when I do do it, and when I do give myself that time to have an opportunity to connect, it always sets my day off in the most beautiful way. And I feel like I'm way more patient with everyone around me. And I've given myself that time so I can give to everybody else. And it's an it's an evolution. It's a constant journey that I'm so excited to be on. And it's so exciting. I've never felt excited about my spirituality before her or like my connection, but I really do feel excited about it. And it's something that I'm passionate about right now to just find that, you know, keep finding that connection in different ways and keep building on that. And it doesn't just have to look one way. Yes. It can look Mm -hmm. so many different ways. I do too. Yeah. I love that. Finding yourself in new ways, even into our 20s, 30s here, it's like 40s. It's I love that. And yeah. in the world today, I think it's it is important to find those peaceful moments and just like collect your thoughts and I know I need to be so much better at it. Well, and I think it so can much. just be so like like what's the word? Centering. Centering. Just centering. Yes, you. thank you. Yes. Just like such like a wholesome like yes. okay, refocus. What yes. is important today? Yes. What is my priority? Is it the million to-dos and da, da, da. I mean just recentering each day I think is huge. I think ultimately like everything around you is a projection and and ultimately, like you are the only one you have control over. So, amen. Helping yourself, giving yourself that time. It's something as a mom that you just, it's like you just can't. You just, there's too much to do. There's too much going on. I'm trying to build this. I'm trying to do this. I've, like we said earlier, it's like all the things that you're trying to do. But when you can actually like take a moment for yourself and give yourself that time. Oh my gosh, you are so much more fueled to keep going. Yeah, and you're so much bettered for everybody around you. And blessing your little ones, like you're just going to be doing a little bit. They're getting the better you. Exactly. I love that. Well, what a great note to wrap this up yes. on. I love that. Oh, Ashley, you're inspiring. For real. True, like, truly. And I feel like I could talk to you for like oh hours my gosh. more, but I, I guess know. we should wrap this up. <laughs> well, to hear more from Ashley, go listen to her podcast, The Art of Joy with her mom. You'll probably hear lots more of her insights. And yeah, we love following along. Tell everybody your handle on Instagram. Yeah, my handle is at Ashley and A-S-H-L-E. L-E-E dot A-N-N-N, three N's. Thank yes. you so much. You Thank can you see guys. Poppy and Dane there and yes. their cute little live. It's just the best. Thank so. you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it was great. Okay, we'll talk to you later. Take care of each other. Okay, moms, we have had a lot of cell phone covers over the years and our kids have put them through the ringers. But we found one that we think you're really going to love. The Wally is a leather case with threaded detail. It has a loop for your finger in the back, but also doubles as a stand when you want to watch a show. It lays completely flat, and the best part is there's a discreet pocket for your credit card or driver's license, so no more losing those when you have to run into the store really quick. To purchase your Wally case, head over to our website, themomvoice.com, click Shop the Show, and find the Wally link. 
This will take you to their website where you can search your phone model, pick your design, and then at checkout, enter promo code MOMVOICE for 15% off. We know you're going to love it. 